0: Hello and welcome to SEO SAS. You are joined with myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at Like Mind Media. And with me, I have Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Gymshark. We are called SEO SAS because we are your special answering service when it comes to SEO. Quite frankly, we are nerds on the subject. We love SEO. We love talking about it. So we thought we'd put a podcast together where we discuss it so you can get benefit from it. So we answer questions. We debate topics. We invite guests. We just have a really good debate about what's happening and basically get you answered answers this show is brought to you by the team at like mind media like Mind media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them whether that's on social media content or even podcasts just like this one we're actually using their podcasting equipment right now they're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like Aww. you thanks hannah So you might feel that there's a certain voice missing on this episode, and that's because it's just me today, because Hannah is at work, and sometimes, like I always say, work just gets in the way of things when all you want to do is do a podcast all the time, but... Do not fret because you I'm not just leaving you with myself because we all know I'm a bit of a rambler and I won't be talking about SEO I'll be talking about my dog Roller Derby my thoughts and feelings it will it will just be a mess so we have the wonderful Jacob Stoops who is joining the podcast so let's introduce Jacob Stoops hello
1: hey how's it going
0: very well how about yourself
1: I am doing great this morning, and my hope is that I can keep you from talking about people's feet this time.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> that is a good challenge, and I hope that you conquer that, because, yeah, no one wants that again, do they?
1: And uh, people that wear shoes and socks with individual toe spots. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So it might sound a bit because I didn't inter- like I introduced you with the name, but I didn't say who you were and what you do in the industry, because I thought it would be good to get you to tell us. So, yeah. So who are you? What do you do? And just I want to give this the microphone over to you, basically.
1: Yeah, I I, I ask myself that question almost every day. <laughs> uh, so I guess most importantly, uh, my name is Jacob Stoops. I've been doing SEO for gosh, what is it? It's 2020 now. So that's about 14 years. I've been at a lot of different places. I've been in-house. I've been at agencies, mostly agencies. Used to blog a lot. Now I don't so much anymore because now I'm a podcaster. Um, huge, huge Cleveland and Ohio sports fan, although I doubt that that matters to, to your audience, but it matters matters to me. Most importantly, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Currently, I work at Search Discovery, where I'm a senior SEO manager, and I run a little podcast called the Page Two Podcast, yes. uh, if you haven't heard of it. So yeah, that's me. That's me in a nutshell.
0: So just to give a bit of background, so we sort of met on Twitter, wasn't it? Because you, you reached out to me asking if I wanted to be involved in your podcast, which was awesome, because... One, I don't think there's enough good SEO podcasts out there. So the fact that you do one yourself is really, really good. And it's always like, I love having conversations with other people because that's how you learn, isn't it? And that's how you learn what's going on in industry, best practices, what's working well for people and what's not. So yeah, if someone else is doing great stuff and putting content together, it's really good to be able to share that.
1: Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And kind of the way that my podcast has been has been developing. It's been incredibly, incredibly organic in terms of Twitter is a really great source of people and information and the industry is really great when it comes to sharing content. So quite honestly, I came across your podcast and followed it for a little while and thought that it was interesting and felt like it warranted reaching out to you to see if you would come on and 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 chat with us. And and that's how almost every one of our guests has kind of come about just very organically kind of a hmm that person is is interesting or they're doing something interesting obviously at the beginning when we're thinking when i was thinking about it we started you know with a with a list of people but then as it's been kind of going further and further it's just been really organic in terms mm. of like who we want to to talk to and it's based on finding people interest, interesting and we found you guys in what you're doing very interesting so it was e- really easy for me to say hey I want to have them on and what I wasn't sure of is if you would if you would actually say yes and <laughs> and you did and it was an awesome episode so i I was really thankful I, for that
0: I am one of these people I don't know about you but you've just got to say yes to things yeah yep. like it's oh there was a film with Jim Carrey like yes man or something where basically um he gets challenged so he has to say yes to everything and he gets in these weird and wonderful situations but I'm a bit the same like you've just got to say yes to things haven't you because if you don't then you're going to miss opportunities and like lots of stuff that I'm doing at the moment like with my roller derby with seo with this podcast with anything really it's just the fact about saying yes and i think sometimes you've just got to be brave enough to say yes and if it scares you that's good i don't know um but obviously um so i've got a few questions that i'm going to ask you and we will delve more into your podcast but i want to start by asking how you got into the world of seo Oh
1: my goodness! It is, it is a long, long story. Shall I get popcorn? <laughs> I won't give you the long, long story. If you want to listen to the really, really way too long story, it's episode ten on okay. my podcast where I okay. just turned the mic on myself. But I'll give you the, the the abridged version. So I went to the—that's right—the Ohio State University. We're the only school in our country that puts the word "the" in front of it, <laughs> uh, and we're very, we're very proud of that. I went there for graphic design. Kind of growing up. I had somewhat of a talent for like the fine arts, drawing and, and, and graphics and that kind of stuff. So I thought it was a natural progression to go to school to be a graphic designer. And uh, so that was in in about the year 2000, uh, which if you do that, you can figure out how old I am. But I started there in 2000. And in 2002, I came down to Columbus, Ohio, because I went to a a regional branch to begin with. I'm a small town person. So I didn't like the idea of going from my small town of 5000 or probably actually probably less people to a city of a couple million. That was a little bit scary. But eventually, I eventually I spread my wings, I came down to the main campus. And within about uh, three years, I'm just going to be honest, I, I dropped out, and okay. I dropped out for for a lot of reasons. One, I didn't take it seriously enough, and two, when I started there, I started working at a place called UPS, United Parcel Service. I'm sure you have them over there.
0: Yes, uh, yeah, we have UPS or UPS yeah, or ups, however you meant yeah. to say it.
1: And one of the way they hook people in is through tuition reimbursement. And I was at the time, you know, putting myself putting myself through college didn't have a lot of help from my from my parents, unfortunately really, <laughs> really, it would have been nice to have some help. And I know that there are people that that do get that help. And I was not one of the those lucky people that came from from parents uh, with money. But anyways, so the tuition reimbursement was a huge, huge thing. But I went there and the job was it was it was awful. And it took up a lot of my time time that would have otherwise been spent studying and and so on and so forth. And then at the same time, I was young and dumb, and I didn't take it seriously. And so I dropped out. And when I dropped out, Well, I still had that stupid job at UPS, which was good that I had work, but bad in the sense that it was soul crushing. Uh, And I worked my way up there to become a supervisor. And eventually I just got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, The job was, was so bad that I, and I've never quit anything in my life. And I walked in on the spot, no two week notice one day when it just finally got to be too much and said, nope, I'm done, not even working today. I had no backup plan, nothing. And so i I went on in and, and uh connected with a few a few of my friends who were working at different places and I got uh, a job at a pet store <laughs> of all places and then I got a job at Staples, the office supply store and because I needed to make up the money, I decided okay, I'm gonna try working every single day of the week wow. and I did that for about eight months without a day off, and that further further burned me out. And, and it got me to the point where I was like, okay, like, what, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Like, why am I doing this to myself? And and, and it was, it was unsustainable. And I was, I was quite miserable. And then I uh, had luckily in things happen through connections with people and almost every every big thing in my life has happened almost because of faith or being connected to the right person and at that time I was dating somebody who was who was friends with another person and and that person's boyfriend who I didn't really know that well at the time he ended up being a groomsman in my in my wedding not with the person that I was dating though wow. uh, we, stayed, we stayed friends actually after after that relationship ended but he got me a job at a place called Cornerstone Local. Uh, And this is in about 2005, 2006. And they had, it was a really weird business model. They had two sides of the business. One was like cold calling uh in filling attendance for conferences and weird stuff. I don't I still don't quite understand it and the other side was local search marketing so they started me because I had no experience with marketing on the cold calling side and I was so so bad at it I got so nervous when I would get on the phone that I was the telemarketer that would get flustered enough and hang up on you rather than you hanging up on on them so I didn't last very long there and my friend comes to me and he says, okay, Jake, you're not doing very well on that side. We're going to, we're going to try you out on the other side of the business. And here's the deal. You have to teach yourself how to build websites. And we oh, build a okay. lot of, yeah, we have to build a lot of websites in WordPress. And if you can teach yourself to build websites, you can stay otherwise. And the otherwise pretty much meant like I was gone.
0: So no pressure, so, then. no pressure then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the the funny thing about this is like the first place that I looked was not the internet, the internet of all places. I walked into Barnes and Noble, uh, the bookstore and bought a book on HTML and CSS. And the rest is history. I taught myself to, to build websites. And then you fast forward that a little bit. Yeah, the question I mean, becomes, okay, I'm building all of these websites. And why aren't they ranking? Why aren't they getting yeah. any traffic? And that led me to SEO and at the time I thought oh my god this is really really cool and it's just like you it's something that I just kind of fell in love with yeah and became really passionate passionate about and at that time like I had no kids no wife nothing nothing but free time and I just went head head first into it and learned as much as I could could learn and then through another connection was able to get my first SEO job. I think it was 2007 or 2008. I can't quite remember. As kind of a an intro SEO analyst, and basically at a, uh, it was at an agency called People to My Site, which is a great name for uh, an SEO an SEO company. And from there, things kind of took off. And I I said, this is this is my career. This is what I want to do. Uh, and not only that, because I had dropped out of college, I didn't have a college degree, which is a huge barrier to entry especially at that time, a huge barrier to entry with a lot of other professions. But SEO, it wasn't a barrier to entry because it was still a very young industry and it was not required. What was really required is the stuff that I that I knew. So it was not hard to get an SEO job without a degree. It was more about real world experience, which I... Okay. Was developing at that point. So fast forward, now I'm at, um, I've been, like I said, to a bunch of different places. I've been yeah. at agencies most of my career. I've been in-house a couple of times. I like agencies a little bit more. It fits my. Um, it fits me a little bit more, but now I'm at Search Discovery. I've been here for about a year and a half now. And um, I love it. I love what I'm doing. So very, very go. happy. And I feel very lucky and thankful that uh, SEO kind of chose chose me and I chose yeah. it at the same time. I so think, um, that's my story.
0: No, I mean, it's a very interesting story. And I mean, I don't know if you saw, but something that's trending on Twitter is there was someone who asked SEOers how they got involved. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing is a lot of people that you don't necessarily... Plan to do SEO. It's just something that seems to happen and something that you naturally fall into or the opportunity comes about. So it's really interesting when we get people on the podcast just to see how they got into the world of SEO because it's never the same. (laughs) Like everyone has a different story and it's great to share that. So moving on then, earlier on you said about your page two podcast. So And it's an awesome podcast that you and um, your colleague, Jeff, because you work with Jeff, don't you?
1: I do. Jeff Luella. um, And I've worked with Jeff uh, a couple of times, which is is funny. I worked with him uh, at one of my other agencies way back and then he went his separate way and I stayed there and then eventually I went my separate way. And then now we both reconnected and we both work for search discovery, which is crazy.
0: And what I find a bit crazy is on your podcast in your early days, you had Ran Fishkin.
1: I, did. I how?
0: did. How? How? How did that happen? And uh, also, were you a bit starstruck?
1: <laughs> it didn't. It, shockingly, it didn't. Uh, come about because rand really wanted to be on my podcast and really wanted to be on the first pioneering episode i got um, i got really lucky so before i worked at search discovery i worked at a place called at the time startups.co now they've rebranded to startups.com and startups.com uh, is a huge massive hub of information and expertise and it's a huge platform to help people who are starting their business get it off the ground and understand how to make it a viable successful business that's kind of what they do and one of the one of the the types of content. And, and a lot of their marketing is based on content strategy and putting out really great content from people that have kind of been there and done that. And one of the things that we did was a lot of founder stories, kind of the origin stories and, uh, of, of really successful founders. They have a lot of them on there. Brian Chesky, Elon Musk, like the really, well, the really well-known ones. Mm. And because I had known of Rand, with uh, obviously him being kind of an SEO celebrity and his intersection both with the work that he had done at Moz, the work that he's doing now with SparkToro and getting that company off the ground, and the fact that he had just released a book, Lost and Founder, which was exactly uh, about the trials and tribulations of being a business owner and talks a lot about the business side of things at Moz and kind of what he went through in the in the background on all kinds of all kinds of topics running a business getting funding uh, eventually selling you know selling the business or having offers to to do so and and it gives a lot of really great advice so i went to our ceo and said hey there's this guy in the industry i think he would be a good fit for one of our founder stories can i go interview him and usually we had somebody else do the interviews but since it was me pointing it out. I said, I want to do the interview. And selfishly, I wanted (laughs) to interview Rand. Um, So I, so he said, okay. And I reached out to Rand and and one of the great things about it is, I I mean, I don't know him. He doesn't know me, um, but I found his, I'm I'm pretty adept at finding people's emails. So I was able to find his email and I sent him a nice email and he said, yes, Um, just like we talked about earlier, people in this industry. And that's, one of the reasons that my podcast has been able to eat, even get off the ground is because a lot of nice people have said yes. And he yeah. was one of those people. And I interviewed him and it was basically, it was for startups. And then I left startups and they, they used the, they used the, the interview and they, um, they published the story, but I left startups, but I still wanted that content. And at the time Iron I enough. was saying, okay, I, I want to start a podcast. Um, and I thought, well, who better to start a podcast with than having Rand Fishkin as my first episode? So I reached back out to Rand, and I said, "Hey, here's the situation. We did this interview last summer. I'm starting a podcast. I need uh, I need content. Would you mind if I repurposed it for my first episode?" And he said, "No problem. Go ahead." So. Uh- not like he's like you know actively working to to promote it, but he was nice enough to allow me to use the content, to allow me to market my podcast with his name on it. And he's it's not like we've maintained any correspondence really afterwards, but it really is pretty cool to have um, been able to talk to him. And yes, I was uh, I was like sweaty, palms <laughs> and nervous uh, in terms of being starstruck. And I'm not usually a person that gets starstruck um, when I'm around like famous famous people. It's kind of, I'm actually the opposite. Like I want to like stay away from those people. I don't know why, uh, but it's just not my thing. So interviewing him, it, it was like, he, I don't even know the words to describe it, but yes, I was nervous. He
0: is a big <laughs> deal in the industry though. So obviously, um, so in the UK, there's Brighton SEO and I can't remember if it's last last year or the year before he was keynote and during the day he was there and there was so many times where like I walked past him or I was nearby and in my head I was like go and go and like go talk to him go have a selfie but at the same time I was nervous and it's like it's a person what is going on but you know when like someone's done so much in the industry and they're really respected you kind of get a bit like nervous and a bit jittery but yeah but and i didn't get a selfie annoyingly and that is one thing that i will always regret but hey ho going forward i am never if that opportunity comes around again i'm getting a selfie no matter what
1: (laughs) absolutely (laughs) yeah and and like you'll find that those people are like more than willing to talk to talk to people. That's, that's one of the great things yeah. about some people in the industry. And I just remember thinking the entire time, and he was really great on our episode and really nice. And I'm asking him what I thought were intelligent questions while in my head thinking, don't say something stupid. Say, don't say, say something <laughs> stupid. Don't sound stupid. Don't sound stupid. And uh, I feel like when I go back and listen to that episode, I sound like a complete idiot but not at um, all
0: not at all (laughs) but he gave
1: really great answers so I was happy that he kind of carried me on that episode
0: obviously moving moving on then from Rand and your podcast so I when we were sort of discussing what we were going to discuss on this podcast you sort of said the areas that you're passionate about or the areas that you like to talk about my question now is what steps are involved in putting together a SEO and content strategy that works?
1: Oh boy. Um, I I hate to say it depends, but it depends. Um, (laughs) So I guess the way I approach it is, I think the first step for me is education on the fact that it's and I, I hate saying it like this, but when people say SEO content, and I hear that a lot um, from people that are wanting a content strategy, clients or even internal internal people at different companies I've worked with, and there's like this connotation that SEO content means it's just for SEO, and the content is not going to be any good, and it's going to be keyword, 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 and that's that's not the case. So my first step usually is educating, like, no, this is a real content strategy. Now the goal is to get traffic or get more eyeballs or brand awareness or social awareness or whatever. But it's not necessarily going to be bad content. In fact, the goal is is for it to be good content. Each piece of content has a purpose. There is an audience. Sometimes it crosses over with SEO. Sometimes it doesn't. I'll say for the purposes of this discussion, we'll just talk about content that aligns with SEO goals, which is getting, getting traffic. And I've got a process that I've used for a long time now And it's really kind of a five-phased process. Step one being discovery, and I'll explain. Uh, Step two being strategy. Step three being execution. Step four being amplification. And step five being measurement. Uh, And what I mean by each of those steps, so... Step one: uh, discovery. So, at the outset of any sort of content strategy or any sort of campaign that we're uh, when we're beginning work with a client, or when I'm when I'm beginning work on a on a site, the discovery part is is the most crucial part in in my mind. This is, and I like to use this analogy. This is like going out into the ocean to fish and seeing how big the ocean is. And okay. what I mean by that is conducting an audit looking at uh, your content inventory, seeing like, okay, what all types of content do I have right now? Looking for your gaps, doing keyword research and understanding what things are people searching for that are related to what you do as a business that you want to show up for, that you want to rank for? What are your competitors doing? And basically, this this upfront stage is basically just going into kind of gathering mode and gathering as much information as you, as you can. And you don't necessarily in this stage have to make sense of it, but you have to collect it. So once you've collected all of the information, the next analogy that I use when you move into kind of the strategy phase is You have fished in the ocean, right? And and you've seen how big uh, the ocean is. Now you've got to try to decide, okay, where is the best spot to fish, right? Because you've got this massive ocean, but and you've got all these potential things that you could create content about. But what should you create content about? What's your wheelhouse? Uh, and that's when you take all of that information and you begin to define what what's your strategy. How are you going to approach it? How do you map keywords to pieces of content that you already have? How do you map keywords to potential new pieces of content? This is where you would build, build a roadmap, build a content calendar and figure out, okay, how many pieces of content do I have to create? Do I need to update any internal pieces of, of content? Do I need a new a voice do i need to redefine any of any of that and even furthermore do i need to train anybody on what we're what we're doing are there any other teams that need to be involved and this is when you kind of build that strategy and you and you create your plan and then from there you have a plan and then you execute it at stage three is execute. This is when you go about the actual doing. And the strategy is very important, but implementation—I've said many, many times on my podcast—is even even more important. Mm. Uh, getting things implemented, and this is the part where you execute it. And. I've got a very specific process that we use when we're creating content, and it is highly predicated on that upfront research. Uh, But when when you're going through kind of the technical process of actually creating a piece of content, one of the things that I find that is missing, because often what you have is you say, you'll see in organizations, people will you'll say, hey, we need a piece of content about topic X and then they'll go off and write and then they'll come back to you and say, okay, now optimize it. And I have to, I, I, that that like makes my, my blood boil a little bit. And it's not because they're purposely doing it, they just don't know any better. So my goal in kind of re-educating people is to say, no, 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 the optimization doesn't come at the end. We've built a strategy, now we need to technically execute on topic X. And what needs to happen is we as SEOs need to help inform the writer before they start writing. And that means looking at the search results, understanding what's happening there, Mm. understanding who's ranking, what they're doing, what depth they're covering a topic within, what subtopics they're mentioning. And then from that, writing a brief or giving the the content author some kind of direction on what they need, need to do in order to have a chance to rank well for a particular topic. And not only that, because like you you don't want to reinvent the wheel and you have to hit like this bare minimum level of viability to be able to compete with people that are already ranking. But then like what I would say is after you've done that, what can you do as a, as a writer, as a business, uh, or as, a, as an entity, a content producing entity to put your unique spin on it so that it's not just a copy of what everybody else has done, so that mm. it, it is your spin, your take better over and above uh, and deserving of uh, a good position within search results. And that's kind of the upfront process. And then from there, like most people think it just drops after that, like you produce the content and you're done. Well, no, you're not done. If you wanna do it right, after that, you, you have to figure out how to amplify it. If you're producing a worthwhile piece of content, it shouldn't just be quote unquote SEO content, it should be something that you can utilize with other marketing channels, whether it's social, whether it's email, hmm. so on and so forth. You should not want to avoid internally linking. I've, I've worked with clients that say, let's produce this SEO piece of content, but I don't really wanna to link to it anywhere, even in my footer. Um, it's Which seems like crazy. <laughs> Yeah, like they're embarrassed of it, and um, I, you shouldn't. If you're c- taking all this time to produce a piece of content, you shouldn't be embarrassed of it. No. You should link to it as much as as is contextually relevant. You should incorporate it all over the place, and uh, not only that, you should not be afraid to promote it uh, externally. Mm. And I hate to say link building, but go out and try yeah. to build links if you think it's a good enough piece of content. Just, uh, and then yeah. last step is measure yeah. and repeat.
0: And um, So. I just want to go back to the point about um so you've put all this time and effort into this piece of content you may as well like spend the same if not more time promoting it because if you've put this much time blood sweat and tears then you should find in all different ways to get content under uh, people's noses and i do think yeah some people neglect that bit. So they're like, right, I know I need to write content. So I'll write this content. It's optimized. I've done it. It's on the site. And then they don't do anything with it afterwards. And it's like, you're missing, you're missing a step there, aren't you? So.
1: well, And a lot of times what I've found is the people that are helping you push the content live aren't the same people that are helping you promote it, right? So you have to be able to work with the people that are helping you with the tactical execution, but then also know and interface with the teams that are doing the promotion and make sure you're getting that in front of them so that they know, hey, this piece of content exists. Hey, here's why you should promote it. Here's how you can promote it. So it becomes kind of more of a relationship building game. And if you've built the right relationships within your company, then you'll have less friction when it comes to getting stuff like that accomplished.
0: Awesome. Another question that I want to ask you then is when you've compiled and put this content together um, and it's on your website, what metrics should you be looking at to sort of understand the success of that content or campaign?
1: So this is, (laughs) I'm going to say it again. It depends. Um, It depends on what you're trying to get out of your content. So I, don't, I, I can't say that there's a one size fits all metric, because every piece of content is, has a, a specific purpose, a specific audience is meant to do um, a specific thing. And sometimes those things cross over, sometimes they, they don't. Um, some content, the goal is to get leads or conversions in the door. If that's the case, then that's your metric. Some content is for brand awareness purposes, and you would never be able to rank organically for it. Um, In that case, you might look at overall traffic, not just organic traffic, but Overall traffic, and you might look at over the course of time brand uh, awareness, brand search volume, things like that. If you're looking to get more social engagement, well, that might be a different type of content and a mm. different type of metric. But if you're if you're looking to get traditional SEO <laughs> SEO metrics and in those types of things, obviously it's organic organic sessions, organic leads, time on site. Mm. Uh, those types of, of vanity uh, rankings they're really those are really high level vanity metrics but i would also say that each brand is its own is its own entity and has its own s- sort of sets of metrics that they need to go by so i'm sure that vanity metrics are nice that each piece of content should have its own deeper engagement yeah. metrics to measure how are people interacting with that piece of content. And not only that, what's it doing for my business? How yeah. much is it costing to, to produce that type of stuff? So
0: they should align or go towards the business goals like over overall, shouldn't they really? Now, i have realized that um whenever i plan a podcast i always get really excited and want to ask all these questions and i never sort of concept of time just there's never enough time is there so i'm having to pick because there's a lot lot of questions that i've sort of jotted down here um, and i'm just conscious of time so i'm going to ask two more questions and then we'll move on to the feature because we couldn't do an seo sas podcast without the feature because let's face it that's probably why some people listen just to, for the, the fun quiz at the end. But yes, so the question is, what tip would you give to our audience on how they can improve current content on the website? So going back to your earlier point about not reinventing the wheel, so identifying content already there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I th- I've put together a couple. So in, in the first one is going to sound incredibly c- cliche, so forgive me. But think of the end user. Think of who who is consuming the content. What are they looking for? What will they be looking for? What do they need? And try to put yourself in their shoes. So try to, if you're putting a piece of content on your website, like try to go outside of your own biases and your own experiences and think if I'm a consumer who has no idea who this person is, who the brand is, and I'm trying to look at this piece of content, what is my experience? What do I want? What am I expecting out of this website? And does this content fulfill it? And from there you can understand, okay, what what changes mm. might I need to make to, to the experience? Um, The other thing, we'll we'll kind of uh, go back to what I was saying earlier about the the need to actually look at um, what content is already performing well, whether it be on your own site or within search results. I think it's just important to not have to feel like you have to recreate the wheel in every case, every site most sites have a particular piece of content that does well. And I think the question is to 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 figure out why. And we're SEOs, so we reverse engineer everything. Or if you're trying to rank for a certain thing trying to get traffic for a certain thing, well, go out and look who's already getting traffic. Google's rewarding them for a reason. Hmm. Um, your job as an SEO is to figure out what is that reason? What are they doing? What are they doing differently? What could you be doing better? And utilize that information in terms of, okay, how in-depth are they going? What subtopics are they mentioning? Do they cite external? sources? Does the content use other types of media, images, video, audio? And how can you utilize all of that information that you're reverse engineering and apply it to whatever piece of content you're trying to improve? And then the last thing I would say is, is especially in today's world, people are consuming content across all types of devices. And you have to be able to have content that plays well across all devices. So really putting a priority on things like speed mm-hmm. which not enough organizations focus on and it's a big problem i have uh, to agree mobile mobile usability design those types of those types of things and making sure that from a from a UX and a speed and an mm. experience standpoint your content is really really easy to consume across a variety of devices that that would be something I would I would focus on if you don't have a mobile friendly site <laughs> first off it's 2020 what you it's doing time, but it's one thing to have a mobile friendly site and it's another thing to have a mobile friendly site where the content is easy to consume that's yes. not always the, the case even when a site is responsive mm. or or even when you do have a mobile site so
0: It does, it does, it does amaze me that in this day and age, I'll go onto a website and it tends to be, say I'm buying gig tickets or I'm on a concert site. Those are the types of sites that don't tend to be like responsive or mobile friendly. And it's just, it just seems crazy that even this day, with this day and age, that's not on people's priority list that, okay, because I get it. Like some websites have been around for a while and they've probably not done much changes, but that's a big thing it needs to be responsive people need to be able to access the content whatever device they're on and it's yeah and like you say not just about it being responsive but speed as well because loads of times people are on their mobiles and they're not connected to the wi-fi so um it needs to be fast for 3g 2g so my last question and then we'll move on to the future i'm guessing you're very excited for the future
1: I don't know what the feature wow. is. So
0: I, there you go. We'll <laughs> so we ask all our guests this. So you get to pick one favorite SEO tool. So I know there's loads out there, but if you have to pick your favorite, which one would it be?
1: Wow, just one. That's that's. Sorry, difficult. we are a I'm bit screwed. Yeah, yeah. So there are a bunch of really great tools. I'll I'll give you my top two, but I'll tell you the one that if I was like on a desert island and having to do <laughs> SEO that I would pick. Ahrefs and Screaming Frog are my, my top two. Um, Ahrefs is, has skyrocketed over the course of the last couple of years in terms of their product features and their position in the market as an enterprise tool. Um, And I just I really, really love what they do. However, if I were like by myself on a desert island and needed to optimize a site right there on the fly, there is no better tool than Screaming Frog to do a, a site crawl and to understand what's going on on a website. I use that tool every every day and I don't know what my life would be like with without it.
0: I have to agree. Screaming Frog is amazing and i don't even know if they know how amazing their tool is just the insight and how much you can do with that tool is amazing and the fact that you don't even have to pay for it so if you've got a small site it crawls up to 500 urls for free so they just it's just gives so much value as a tool so we we me and hannah love screaming frog Um, that's one of our favorite tools right so, I feel like I need to do a drum roll. <laughs> Cuz now it's time for the feature. So, I thought it might be fun to do a bit of a UK British quiz with you just to oh, test boy. your knowledge. I mean, some of the stuff I had to Google. So, it doesn't I'm not I'm not a great Brit myself, if that's the right way of saying it. But how would you say your knowledge on the UK and Britain is on a scale of 1 to 10?
1: oh boy like a three a three okay probably not great i'm gonna
0: embarrass myself well (laughs) you might you might surprise yourself you never know right so starting off with the first question in the uk quiz how many prime ministers have served our current queen so our queen that's now during her reign
1: Wow. And I I do know that what she has been queen since the nineteen thirties, right? World War II era.
0: Um wow, well, that sort of that there is a bonus question on that, so we'll come back okay. to that one.
1: Okay. Um I'm gonna say twenty.
0: Oh, not quite. The answer I was looking for was fourteen. Oh, okay. So still still up there. I mean, it's crazy how long she's like carried on. It but yeah. there's been fourteen prime ministers. So yes. <laughs> so a couple of bonus questions about the Queen. How long has she reigned for? So you, you believe that she's been going since the nineteen thirties, so if you could give me how many years?
1: Okay. Let me let me let me do the math here. 80, 80 years?
0: Close. Sixty-seven.
1: 67. Gosh, how old did I think she was?
0: <laughs> you were putting years on the Queen. Let's say she's not like listening. she
1: has been around since World War II, but maybe she just wasn't Queen.
0: Okay. So. Who was her first Prime Minister? He's one of the most famous ones, I would say. Uh,
1: Neville Chamberlain?
0: No, Winston. Winston Churchill. Winston, okay,
1: Winston came after Neville Chamberlain. I, I wasn't sure which one was the first.
0: Do you want to know okay. something? I've never heard of that person that you've said that's how bad my UK knowledge
1: is. Well, yeah, if you're a student of history, basically (laughs) he was the one who (laughs) came before Winston and he was kind of a a Nazi denier in the sense that he didn't believe that they were as big of a problem as as they were. And obviously Winston was what he was and, and was really saying, no, they're a problem. We need to be doing something about them. And he in, in chamberlain himself was kind of a placator and trying to appease hitler and obviously you can't couldn't do that so
0: wow i mean are you trying to get bonus points from me here
1: <laughs> no no i just i'm a i'm a huge history uh history buff and world war world war ii so i i do know a bit about that but i'm sure Very i'm gonna enough. fail every other question
0: <laughs> okay so the next one's a bit of a weird one bit out there so obviously uk or brits are known for loving tea cups of tea yeah so uh, I hear that. on average, how many cups of teas do British people drink a day? It is in the, in the millions to give you a bit oh, of a... Oh, not
1: just a single person? Um, no. Okay. So
0: collectively, all the British people, how many cups of tea do we get through in a day?
1: And how many British people are there?
0: Okay. So I have got this written down. So... Currently, this is, the source is Stastika, or if that's said right, Statistica. but yes, thank you. So there are currently 67 million people in the UK.
1: Okay, so I'm going to say, and this is daily, right?
0: Yes, how many? i say
1: 200 million.
0: Oh, <laughs> so, so close, One hundred and sixty-five.
1: Okay, so not quite three teas a day. No, a day, but I
0: I thought that was, my, me and myself, I don't drink tea. I, I'll have a peppermint, but I'm more of a black coffee. I don't know about I was you. Gonna
1: say, I was trying to equate it to coffee, and I know coffee here in the U.S., people, especially people that like it, drink quite a bit. So two, two or three in a day is nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, next question. What is a cob? A cob? Spout C- I'll give you another one because obviously we have different we have different words that mean the same thing so I'll give you another one of BAP so if I was to offer you a cob or a BAP what would I be offering you?
1: Maybe like uh, a pipe to smoke in? (laughs) A corn cob pipe, a piece of corn.
0: I can see, yeah, because you have cob is corn, don't you? Corn on the cob. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, it's like a roll, so so like a sandwich, but a roll, so like a ham roll, cheese roll. So some places in the UK call it a bread cake. Okay. So, um, I mean, I don't know if I'm being a bit too tough with my UK questions, but oh
1: my, well, I, I feel like an idiot <laughs> I'm not feeling like a stupid American who doesn't know anything about other people's to be, cultures
0: to be fair though. <laughs> so we're from the Midlands. So people in the South wouldn't know what a cob was because in the South, they would call it a roll. But there's even, yeah, but then there's people in the North who call them breadcakes. They're all a bit like, yeah, we can't stick to the one word, can we really? (laughs) Okay, so two more questions and then uh, we'll wrap up. So why is Big Ben, Clock Tower in London, called Big Ben?
1: I have no idea. I really don't know.
0: I'm trying to see if I can give you a clue. It's something to do about the actual clock tower itself.
1: Still don't know. No idea. <laughs> okay.
0: So it's called Big Ben because that's the name of the biggest bell in the clock tower. Because obviously there's okay. quite a few in there. So the biggest one is called Big Ben. Okay. Which I thought was quite interesting because I didn't know that either. And then, so your last one. Do you know UK rapper Stormzy?
1: No. Oh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not, I'm not into rap music or like just any kind of modern music as much as you would think I am. I'm, I'm, uh, into, uh, baby shark because of my three kids under six. And that's all I get to listen to.
0: Okay. (laughs) Right. I've got a different question then. I'll be nice because I, I feel a bit bad asking you a question about someone that you don't even know. So what is bigger, a British pint or an American pint?
1: It's gotta be a British pint.
0: Yes, that is correct. Yeah, sure. yeah. So unfortunately I think that was the only one that you got right.
1: Oh no, I was so close on the uh, on the on the prime minister thing.
0: You were very, very close. I knew close. I would
1: do bad though. I'm not I'm not I'm not kidding myself. I knew I would do bad. <laughs>
0: but how about this one? Okay, there is one more and then we should definitely wrap up because I'm looking at time. True or false, knock a door run, which is in your terms ding dong ditch. Is that right? Is that a thing? Yes, yeah. that is a
1: thing so, over here, but so- it's called something else that I can't say. <laughs> oh,
0: why? Is it swearing?
1: Uh, it's swearing and racist at right. the same time.
0: Okay, let's let's go with ding-dong-ditch. Can yeah, so- we
1: knock on somebody's door and then run and hide and watch their reaction?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah.
1: Yep. it's the same
0: thing. Yep. So, is that illegal under UK law?
1: Seems like it would be. Yes. Not illegal here, but seems like it would be there. People are, I think, maybe more polite there.
0: We are too polite for our own good. <laughs> so I think you got two questions right there. There we go. So, yes, I mean, looking at the, t- let me quickly do the forfeit because, you, as you know, there is normally a forfeit involved in the feature. And because you lost, you need to own up to the last Christmas gift. Uh, sorry, the last Christmas gift that you re-gifted so that you gave to someone else.
1: Oh, what have we re-gifted? <laughs> oh, we regifted gifted quite a few things. Um,
0: oh, and you're I not ashamed say, to say you're right out there.
1: No, no, I'm not ashamed. A bad sweater that my mom got my wife, I think oh. we re-gifted and like not just a bad sweater like it it was a sweater that you would wear for an ugly sweater contest but unfortunately <laughs> my mom didn't realize that she was giving somebody an ugly sweater and it was it was just bad it was
0: oh bad. that's funny uh, well well thank you for being honest <laughs> and yes mom, don't
1: listen to this <laughs>
0: Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. And yes, thank you very much for agreeing to come on. It's been wonderful just to chat and talk about things. If someone wants to get involved, involved, we're not a dating show. If someone wants to get in contact with you or the podcast that you do, how do they do that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So if you want to get in contact with me, I've got a personal website, just jacobstoops.com. I'm on Twitter, uh, at jacobstoops. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to get in touch with us about the podcast coming on the podcast, tell us how much you hate the podcast. It's page two podcast.fm, or we also now have a Twitter handle, which is just at page two Podcast. So. Awesome. easy to find us i will say there for whatever reason is another page two podcast <gasps> and it's a church podcast and they came out with their podcast after me so if you find the one that is for chase oaks church that's not us we're the seo page two podcast and we're trying to get them to not be the page two podcast anymore but you can't force somebody to just stop their podcast so we haven't been able to do that
0: yet. i mean <laughs> i believe you could but it might get a bit unethical but you know
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just figure we're, we're SEOs, will we're out-optimize
0: <laughs> yeah. I am on Twitter, so my handle is Sarah McDuck. I had to think what I was talking about then. The Our podcast is on Twitter as well, SEO underscore SAS. We have an email address, SEO, so hello at com. We'd also really appreciate reviews so whatever podcast playing platform that you listen to seo sas podcast on if you think we're good enough please give us a five star review because it just helps our podcast get found and the same with the page two podcast when you listen to that you'll fall in love with it so you want to give them a review as well Um. so thank you very much for listening to this show thank you very much for being my guest jacob i hope you had fun
1: no problem. It was awesome.
0: And uh, this is where we say goodbye.
1: Bye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>